0: Alright, so this morning, I want to have a conversation, right, and I want, I want to approach this conversation with grace, and I, and I want to challenge you this morning to not just listen to the message that God's placed on my heart and say, hey, I wish He would have been here or she would have been here to hear that. But I want you to reflect and to turn inward and to look at your own heart, right? Your own walk with Jesus. I'll be thinking about somebody else, but think about yourself. And so this morning, I want to ask you if you have ever heard someone make the statement We're leaving this church because we aren't getting fed. If you will, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever had someone say that to you? Okay, now let me ask you this question. How many of you have said that very same thing, that I'm leaving this particular group, I'm leaving this particular church because I'm not getting fed? Right? There's still some hands that were raised. And so this morning, I want us to look at that very topic. And no, somebody didn't say that to me recently in, in that regards. It, it came up in a conversation. And so I've just been wrestling with that. We're, I'm leaving this church because I'm not getting fed. And so I want us to talk about that this morning. David Platt, a pastor and a brilliant mind of Christianity Today, once said, we desperately need to explore how much of our understanding of the gospel is American and how much of it is biblical? Friends, I think we could take that a step further. Ms. Marcy could attest to this this morning as well. How much of the church is American and how much of it is biblical? So last Sunday, I posted the following on my Facebook page. I said this I said, I'm on a fact finding mission. Have you ever heard or maybe even said, in quotations, we're leaving this church because we aren't getting fed. Close quotations, and I asked two questions or made three statements after that. What does that mean? Is there truth to this statement, or is it merely an excuse? And then I ended that post and said, "Help me understand." A young woman and mother of twins that we know said this. She said, "I've left the church because I wasn't getting fed." The church was more focused on people's personal issues and bringing it up in sermons along with rules of what you can and cannot do. In um, parentheses, she put religion. I just had to leave and find another church. And so me being me, because I, I want to know, right? And so I went back to her and I said, if you will, dig a little deeper with me. What does not getting fed mean? And she said this, I wasn't getting the word. I go to church to learn and grow. So I think there's a huge issue whenever I leave church and don't even know what the message was about. I just thought if every time I leave church, then go online to listen to a sermon elsewhere because I'm hungry for more, then I need to reevaluate my current church. Sometimes I get done and I can't tell you what the message was about. So, I mean, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen every week for you guys, but sometimes our minds are so clouded with other things, right? We come here and we're supposed to be listening to the Word of God being preached and taught, but instead we're worrying and anxious about the things that have yet to happen this coming week. A local deacon from another church stopped me in Walmart on Sunday evening after seeing my post, and he said this, he said, We can't create the connection we crave because we're scared to tell someone else our issue. He went on to say, Fed, it means I want to feel connected, loved, and appreciated. Some of the issue comes when we don't connect with people. He said, I left the church a while back for those very reasons, but oddly, After getting my walk a little straighter, I discovered I was just as much a part of the problem. As church attenders, we should be searching for those who are missing connection. The pastor can't do it all. So I have some questions for you from his statement. Are you looking for people to connect with? You see, people want to be seen, they want to be valued, and they want to be respected. Are you being gracious and making feel, people feel welcomed? Are you inviting them in? There's a perfect opportunity to invite people in, right? If we're going to start two small groups, that's a perfect opportunity. My, our own story, Kendall, you know, we wound up at Al's Drive because someone that we know reached out to Kendall in a season where there were unknowns in our life, and she said, hey, I'm getting ready to start a small group. I'm getting ready to lead this group on Wednesday night. Will you, will you come and join me for that? She invited her in. And y'all, my brother from another mother and fellow encourager Ryan Shira hit the nail on the head. And as young people would say, it was a mic drop moment. That's where you make a bold statement that's full of truth. You literally can just drop the mic and exit exit the stage. Right? His response to, to my question was such. And his first thing was, my question for anyone who's ever said that is merely this what are you bringing to the table another friend asked are you coming hungry ryan went on to say it seems as if too many people are looking for a self serving jesus listen y'all i try i wanted to get him here so that i could interview him in front of y'all just didn't pan out But he says, it seems as too many people are looking for a self-serving Jesus. We have people walking into a church with a focus on trying, on a focus of trying to change everything about the church without being open to changing anything about themselves. Jesus sat at this he went on to say, Jesus sat at the table with the disciples, but we never hear of him picking up a spoon to feed them. It's our responsibility to eat. Wait, he had even more to say. With that being said, there is absolutely no problem with someone seeking a different church to promote personal growth as long as they are seeking the true face of God, aligned and supported by Scripture, and not some complacent, watered-down, self-help group therapy session where people are reaching for a comfortable Jesus with one hand and holding tightly onto what is socially acceptable in the other powerful truth so where can we get a picture of what church is supposed to look like if you will take your copy of god's word and turn over to the book of acts and i want to just quickly kind of paint a picture and remind you where we are so in acts chapter 2 is we find ourselves at the day of pentecost Right? It's a day that Peter got up and he boldly proclaimed the gospel and he asked people to repent and be baptized and 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. And so immediately following this, this sermon at Pentecost, we find in Acts chapter 2 verse 42 through 47 a picture of what the early church was, looked like. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. I want to quickly just touch on a few points of this particular passage. And they devoted themselves there's a lack of devotion, of being devoted to a body of believers today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, breaking bread and prayers. Friends, I'm so thankful that not only are we a giving church, not only are we a sending church, but we are a praying church. Right? A church will never have power without prayer. And so I'm thankful that as we were talking through certain things about things to come in the future and launching small groups is that there were dear saints that said 6.30 is the time that we pray, and we'll pray at that time regardless of who shows up, whether it's just one. Amen. But we we need other opportunities for people to be able to grow in their walk with Jesus. That's why we're offering small groups. To give people an opportunity to be in a smaller setting, to learn and to do life with one another. Verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Listen, that doesn't mean they were the same. The Lord says in His Word that the body is full of many parts. Our body, the church body is full of many parts. But they had things in common. Jesus was the center. Jesus was at the center of it all. And they were breaking bread in their homes they glad and generous hearts, but don't miss verse 47. The Lord added to their numbers. Friends, as we get together, as we fellowship, as we break bread with one another, it is not anything that we're going to do. Yes, we're going to be inviting and we're going to have a welcoming place, but it's the Lord that will add to the body. Francis Chan, for those of you that might not know Francis Chan, he was... He's a great. He's another brilliant mind of Christianity today. He wrote several books: Crazy Love, Forgotten God. He pastored this mega church out west, and he got to the point. He just kind of got fed up with the mega church mentality, and he walked away to do ministry a different way. And he wrote a book that's getting ready to drop later this month. It's called Letters to the Church, right? And so, as I was preparing for this particular message. I could download chapter 1. And so I downloaded chapter 1 and I began to read it. And And I want to share some of that with you this morning of what he's saying. He said, every week we hear Christians asking each other, how was church? Something that God has designed to function as family has been reduced to an optional weekly meeting. And this has become normal, expected. How in the world did we get here? He asked the question, How could seeing us love each other make someone believe that Jesus truly came from heaven? He said this He said, It feels like saying two plus two equals a thousand. Just remember, Scripture is filled with impossible equations. Marching around a city seven times doesn't seem like it would result in the walls collapsing, but it happened. See Joshua chapter 6. Church unity doesn't seem like it would result in people getting saved, but it actually happened. See Acts two forty four through 47, the passage that we just read this morning. Chan said, if we are serious about winning the loss, we must be serious about pursuing unity. Speaking of the church, speaking of unity, speaking of Sunday morning worship, Paul David Tripp, you mentioned Columbia University. He is a product of Columbia International University. And he wrote an amazing devotional that I would equate to that of uh, Oswald Chambers of today. And it's called New Morning Mercies. And listen to what Paul David Tripp says. He says, corporate worship... That's where we find ourselves this morning. Corporate worship is designed to remind you of your identity in Christ so that you don't waste your time looking for identity elsewhere. God has ordained that we should gather together again and again to remember again and again who we are and what we have been given. His church is a tool of grace, a vehicle for remembering so that we may celebrate and grow i asked you this morning on your connect cards what is the next step that you've taken right if you've taken a next step that means that your heart is open that means that there's growth that is happening and so we as the church me as your interim pastor i want to celebrate that fact with you that's why i asked for that not to be nosy but i want to celebrate with you the next steps that you're taking so back to i'm not getting fed I've simply asked the question and have been having conversations with people near and far. Listen to this. A pastor from the upstate, I'm in this pastor's group on Facebook, and so I posed the same question, and this pastor from the upstate said this. He says, this is a very common excuse for leaving a church today. Not long ago, I finished writing a new member's book for our church, and I addressed this as follows. Unfortunately, people have become so accustomed to and dependent on spoon feeding that they have forgotten how to pick up their own forks. If the Bible is being preached faithfully in church, then there is no excuse for anyone to starve spiritually. Listen, one cannot make up a week of neglecting one's own spiritual discipline of Bible study with a half-hour sermon. he went on to share that he included a quote from A.W. Tozer who once said, Why should believing Christians want everything pre-cooked, pre-digested, sliced and salted and expect that God must come and help us eat and hold the food to our baby lips while we pound the table and splash? And we think this is Christianity. Brethren, it is not. It is an illegitimate breed that has no right to be called Christianity. I didn't say it. Tozier did. The same pastor said his dad once wrote, This is basically a very selfish reason for changing churches. Worshiping the Lord is more to whet one's appetite than it is to feed us. Furthermore, if you have been a Christian for any length of time, you should be feeding others. If you, let me repeat that. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you should be feeding others. Hebrews 5, 12. Get in there and go to work. Indeed, it is important to be taught the Bible and to study it in our local church. The church, not radio, television, or tapes of Bible teachers, but the church is to be the center of your Bible teaching. So if you believe your church is weak in this area, do everything within your power to challenge it legitimately. But do not use this as an excuse to seek another church. There's no basis for this in the New Testament. Wise words from his dad. Back to preaching and teaching of God's Word. If you, if you think that the pulpit lacks power, then are you praying? Right? As if you hear your friends or somebody else complaining about their pastor and complaining about their worship service, you need to stop them right there and say, Are you praying? Are you asking God's power and presence to be manifest, to be poured out through the worship and the preaching and teaching of His Word? So how can we keep from being in the I'm not fed crowd? I want to take you through a test for yourself and one that you can share with others. It's a three-part test. First off, it starts with the head. You see, some people get in their heads, it's my way or the highway. And nothing could be further from the truth, especially when it comes to God's bride, the church. Think with me for a moment. What is your head made of? It's made of your mind, of your eyes, of your ears, and of your mouth. Check your head, your mind. Are you believing the lies and the whispers of the enemy? Are you preparing for church on Sunday? What are you putting in your mind? Things that are praiseworthy or poisonous? Think with me with your eyes. Are you comparing yourself to the wrong standard? Stop looking around. Stop looking around and look up. He's the standard, not the person sitting next to you. Not the person down the street. Are you looking at things that you shouldn't? Right? Think about your eyes. Are you watching violent movies? Are you lustfully looking at the opposite sex? Are you watching pornography? Are you looking and being jealous about anything? Any given thing, whether somebody has a nicer car than you or a home from you. Friends, I try to tell my children something I learned a long time ago. If somebody else has a nicer house or a nicer car than you, guess what? They got the bill to come along with it. Right? Dave Ramsey says, we buy things that we don't need to with We buy things that we don't need with money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like. <laughs> Ears. Are you listening for God or for gossip? In your mouth. What is coming out? James 3, a beautiful picture of taming the tongue. James 3, 3 through 10 says this. And the tongue is a fire, a word of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. Verse 9, With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Verse 10, for the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers. These things ought not to be so. Gina Forehand, a friend of ours who's in ministry, they, her and her husband go and they, um, they are, talk about marriage. They help, she helps equip women, he helps equip men. They get together, they, have, they do a marriage conference. And I was listening to a take that her husband put on Facebook yesterday, and she said this. She said, you talk about what you're consumed with. So when you think about your mouth, you talk about what you're consumed with. So when people are near you, is it all about football? Is it all about your stock portfolio? Is it all about work? Is it all about hunting? Or is it all about everybody else's business in life? Or is it about what Jesus is doing in your life? Listen, friends, don't run to I'm not getting fed. Check yourself. Check your head and check your heart. Your heart. So your head and then your heart. Is your heart right with God? Psalm 24, 3-4. through 4. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to falsehood. Who do, does not swear deceitfully. May our prayer be that of David in Psalm fifty one ten. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit, a steadfast, an unwavering spirit within me. Speaking of your heart, are you harboring ill will towards another? Friends, some folks have a head knowledge of Christ, but do they have a relationship with Him? The psalmist says in Psalm 28, verse 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust Him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Is your heart broken? As y'all know, each week we talk and we talk about a prayer. You know, maybe your prayer should be, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, in chapter 8, he weeps for a sinful Judah In verses 18 and 19, my grief is beyond healing. My heart is broken. Listen to the weeping of my people. It can be heard all across the land. Has the Lord abandoned Jerusalem, the people ask? Is her king no longer there? Oh, why have they provoked my anger with their carved idols and their worthless foreign gods, says the Lord? Are you broken? Listen, brokenness lets the light shine through. Is grace flowing from your heart? Is forgiveness flowing from your heart? Check your heart. Friends, don't run to I'm not getting fed. Check yourself. Check your head. Check your heart. And lastly, check your hands. Are you helping? Are you serving? Are you raising your hands in worship? Are you raising your hands to ask questions when there, when there's a business meeting or there's something about the church being discussed? Are you thinking, well, hold on, can you help me understand that? Are you waiting until it's after to not ask a question and then spread discord amongst the body of believers? So are you raising your hands in worship? Are you raising your hand to ask questions? Are you using your hands to comfort others, to bless others, to greet others, to include others? Listen, a nugget I ran across this week We've been saved through Christ alone, by faith alone, but not by a faith which remains alone. True salvation always results in good works and a changed life. Don't get to the point that you're saying that you're not getting fed. Check your heart, check your head, and check your hands. So what else did folks have to say about not getting fed? Cameron Gaddy, a worship leader in North Carolina, said, It's a consumer mentality. Sure, you should get fed as far as community and encouragement go, but the problem lies with people just expecting to take and take from church instead of give and give. And I'm not talking about monetarily either, even though that is an aspect. Church isn't about where we go to solely learn about the Bible. Being fed spiritually comes through prayer and reading the Word of God and meditating on it. Church should be where we go to encourage one another and refocus the congregation when, the eye, when I, their eyes have lost sight of the goal. Listen, he closed by saying this. If we, go to expect, if we go to church expecting God to speak to us when we've neglected Him the previous six days in the week, then we're missing the mark a slightly different perspective from a distant relative of mine, Karen Hutto Divine. She said, I think it's somewhere in between. I hear people in the church say they're not getting fed. I would describe what that means as the teaching is shallow, or not linked to the Word of God. There's so much in God's Word, and I want to hear the Scripture that the teaching comes from versus a good character lessons. She said this, Many times I hear people, Church workers in particular say to those who are leaving, What are you doing to change things? However, sometimes the folks leaving have been consistent, reliable contributors of their time and talents to the church. So let me ask you when was the last time that you genuinely thanked those who serve? in church. The deacons, the musicians, the children's worker, the administrative assistant, the Sunday school teachers, the greeters. You can't just take and take. Friends, acknowledge the sacrifice that they make. Thank them. Don't be a complainer. Encourage and appreciate Karen went on to say, The staff and congregation have to be unified as a team in order to effectively teach the gospel and discipline believers. If the furtherance of the gospel and growth of believers is not a common goal, God sometimes leads us to another church family. Lee Brown, a mentor and brother in the ministry who I love dearly, said this. He said, I believe there are some that outgrow what the preacher may be sharing. Now, Lee says some things sometimes, and I'm like, wait a second, Lee. I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. But you know what? Oftentimes, as I chew on it, as I turn it over, as I think about it, there's truth to what he's saying. Many of our sermons are shallow and pithy. Instead of deep and meaty, pastors need to dig deeper to feed the flock. The lack of being fed is legit with some, and for others, it's their excuse to leave because they don't like it anymore for whatever reason. But being fed as a daily activity which most Christians do not participate in and we are also fed when we serve that's the component of church that misses the mark the most in really being fed by God when you feed others God is feeding you people are not using their gifts talents and money to serve their world of influence Jason Massey a chaplain at the hospital shared a quote from Uncle Screwtape in C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters listen to what it says Surely you know that if a man can't be cured of church-going, the next best thing is to send him all over the neighborhood looking for the church that suits him until he becomes a taster or connoisseur of churches. Now that book was published in 1942. There's a lot of truth in that. Lastly, Rebecca Johnson Taylor, another Facebook friend, wrote this. My grandpa gave me some advice when I was church searching. He said, when you walk in, check yourself. When you walk out, check yourself. If there's no difference, that church is not for you. With that being said, you have to be careful to follow God's word and not the man behind the pulpit. The moment the two collide, it's time to reevaluate. She continued, maybe you need to reevaluate your spiritual health. Are you spending time in God's Word daily? Are you binge eating on Sunday for an hour? So friends, how can we all live this out together? And sorry that we've gone over just by a few minutes today, but bear with me just a little bit longer. How can we all live this out together? John Maxwell said earlier this month at a conference that I attended, if you're still excited about what you did five years ago, you're not growing. Friends, if we're talking, and I'll take that a step further, if we're we're still excited about what God did 25 years ago, then this church is not growing. If we're still excited about what this church did 10 years ago or 5 years ago, we're not growing as a church. But friends, I stand before you this morning to say that we are growing and that we are making forward movement because, friends, just this recently we, ex- we took up the offering and we set a goal of $400 and you gave $484 for us to simply write notes and to buy a gift card to bless teachers at the school. Right? We can praise God for that fact. Yes, I'm not saying that what God has done in the past doesn't matter and that we shouldn't be thankful. But we're, are we celebrating what God is currently doing? Are we celebrating the next steps that people are taking? I am. Some of the cards that I get, they're praying for loved ones, a friend that's going through cancer, a father who's going through cancer. And so we encourage them. We write them a note and let them know we care. There's another one, cancer, starting a school, whatever it is. There's so many things going on. What are we currently celebrating? that God is doing in our lives and in the life of this church. So let's grow together. If we're not allowing the Spirit to move us, to change us, to challenge us, and to compel us to get outside of these four walls, then what are we doing here? Philippians 1, 27-28... Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whenever I come and see you again and only hear about you or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God Himself. Quickly back to Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. Obedience often grates against our natural desires, but if we live, if we only obey when it feels natural, then Jesus is not really Lord of our lives. What if we took God's description of church as a family serious? What would happen if a group of people sought Jesus fervently, loved each other sacrificially, and then shared the gospel boldly? Sadly, there are a lot of people in our churches who aren't interested in living out and loving like this. Chan says, "But what if we let them leave? While we design strategies to solely ease people into Christian commitment and grow attendance, Jesus called people to count the cost from the very start. He didn't expect His followers to be perfect, but He demanded that they be committed. The people who leave church because they are being turned off by a level of relational commitment will find another church that can provide what they're looking for. Listen, you can't shape the life of your church around who might leave if things start feeling too much like the New Testament. I didn't say it. Francis Chan did. And one last story from my Facebook friend, Christy Baker Gifford. Listen to what she said. I used to think, I used to see the church as me being fed kind of place. Now she says, I feel like it isn't about me, and it never should have been. The church to me is community, it's loving like Christ and grace, a whole lot of grace. We are all broken people in need of a Savior. I believe we can't rely on broken people for the feeding that only a deep, personal relationship with Christ can give us. When we rely on that exclusively, we will feel like we aren't getting fed. But that feeling isn't the fault of the church. It's because we aren't chasing after God as hard as and fast as we can. All I know, listen to what she says now. All I know is I want to be so full of Jesus to the brim that when I walk through life, I splash Him all over the place. She ended by saying this. Thank you for starting the discussion. This discussion. It helped me realize how much he has changed this broken girl over the past few years. Let's be fat Christians. P-H-A-T. Let's be fat Christians. Let's be prayerful, participating Partners in the Lord's work. That's P. H. Let's be helpful and use our hands to serve others. A. Let's be ambassadors. Paul calls us to be ambassadors. 2 Corinthians five twenty through 21 Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, He made Him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul calls us to be ambassadors. So we should be prayerful, participating partners in the Lord's work. We should be helpful and use our hands to serve others. We should be ambassadors. And lastly, we should be thankful that God has saved us and wants to use us for His glory. Friends, this morning I ask you to simply check your head, check your heart, and check your hands. And as you go out into the world and someone says, well, I'm leaving my church because I'm not getting fed. Time out. Let me tell you something my pastor told me. Check your head. Are you believing the lies of the enemy? Right? What are you putting in your mind? About your heart. Right? Check your heart. Are you are you har- harboring ill will towards someone else? Something they said, something they did. They might not even realize that they said what they said. Friends, are you serving? Are you using your hands to serve other, to serve the Lord? to invite others in, to put your arm around someone else, to hold someone else's hand and just be there, to be present and to pray with them. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you love us. God, thank you that you sent Jesus, your son, to die for us. God, I pray this morning as we've talked about just this notion of people saying that I'm not being fed. God, help us to just take an inward look in ourselves first. I'm guilty of saying that. I've been in that place. God, help us to be more committed. Help us to use our head and our heart and our hands for your glory. To point others to Jesus. To share the things you've done in our life. And to point others to you. Our helper. Our redeemer. Our savior. Our strength. Father God, I pray as we sing the song of invitation this afternoon. Help us to take a minute to reflect inwardly. As you prick our heart and you place things on our heart, we just do business with you. Father, have your way. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.